Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello everyone, I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 17 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the increasingly louder and louder warnings from immigrants who come from repressed nations about what they see happening in America. That's right, George. If you're a Christian and have lived some life, you're probably aware of the warnings over the years about America's decline. Uh, From Billy and Franklin Graham to Drs. James Dobson and James Kennedy going back decades, there have been plenty of such warnings. uh, But there's a special authority when these warnings come from immigrants who themselves have suffered under repressive regimes. And that's what we see happening today. And what got me thinking about this was when I was watching some of the parent upheaval in Loudoun County, Virginia, about critical race theory uh, being imposed upon children there. Uh, one woman who stood up that was particularly compelling was Shi Van Fleet, a Chinese immigrant who recently warned the school officials there about critical race theory. Now, we'll, we'll come back to here, but it's sort of a lead in, George, t- to this fact. Americans suffer, I think, from a sort of historical amnesia. Uh, they have the conviction that repression can't happen in America. The arc of progress, it bends upward. You know, whatever uh, problems there are with our, our domestic tranquility, well, these are temporary. You know, it, it, it's, going, it's going to go away. After all, we've been around for 245 years. We're the most successful constitutional republic on the planet that, that, that we've ever had in history. But history itself tells a different story because from Babylon to Rome— Empires crumble, either from conquest or more often from internal uh, decay. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see happening today in America. Uh, you know, if we go back to the early 19th century, there was the famous journalist Alexis de Tocqueville, which he wrote his masterpiece, uh, Democracy in America. And he said, you know, the greatness of America does not come from its political institutions, as wonderful as those are, as unique as they are. No, it comes from the family hearth, the volunteer organizations, but even more compelling is the pulpit, the the preachers. On Sunday. Exactly. And contrast that with what we see today, because he said, de Tocqueville said, when America stops being good, it will stop being great. Mm -hmm. And look at what's happening today. We are celebrating sexual sin, and we have been for decades. Uh, We've aborted over 70 million of our children since 1973. Uh, 
we, we just got finished with June Pride Month uh, that's at work on campuses across the country. And we talked about this last week briefly, but there was a video that came out uh, from the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir called We'll Convert Your Children. And I'll just quote you uh, a couple of stanzas from that that, that it shows you uh, that puts in sharp relief where we are in a society now. Because this is what they said. You think we're sinful. You fight against our right. You say that we, we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once. You're correct. We'll convert your children. It'll happen bit by bit. Quietly and subtly, you'll barely notice it. We'll convert your children. Yes, we will. Reaching one and all. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. Say what? A chilling moment. Now, they got such a backlash that they had to pull that down, uh, but not before a bunch of people captured it. So you can still find that on Rumble and different sites. In fact, uh, a couple days later, Western Journal put out a piece that four of those gay choir members were actually pedophiles. Oh, my. I did not know that. Oh, my word. Well, the the Journal of Medical Ethics has uh, joined forces with this worldview, and uh, they recently put out an article where they basically said that parents should have no say on gender treatment for their own children. This is a very prestigious medical journal. And as you know, George, we have a bill that's winding its way through the California legislature, Assembly Bill 1184, which, if passed, would say that parents should not even know when their own insurance companies are paying for sex-related medical treatments for kids. Mark, this is just so outrageous. Uh, I'll give you an example. Just uh, the other day, I was doing the final registration paperwork for um, for one of my, my boys for school. And here I have an over-the-counter parent guardian authorization form where I need to give permission to the school to let them use alcohol or isopropyl to disinfect their wounds if they get hurt during, you know, recess hydrogen peroxide, antibacterial ointment, any bee sting swabs, little things like that. They need our permission. Yet when it comes to abortion or transgender treatment, sex hormones that they can get from, you know, the local Planned Parenthood, parents are kept in the dark. It just doesn't make sense. We live in an upside-down world. And now, George, uh, aside from comprehensive sex ed and the radicalization of gender identity in our schools, now we have to worry about critical race theory and historical revisionism that is sweeping the country. Um, and, and there's also this yearning among our young people for to get rid of capitalism and to embrace socialism, even though most of them have no idea what it really means. In fact, Axios recently did a poll of Gen Zers where they found that 54% of them viewed capitalism negatively. Wow. 
Now, it, it, should, it shouldn't shock us, given what's been going on in the, in the schools, and this is where they're learning this. But what was even more shocking to me was the number of uh, overall Americans that are now starting to embrace socialism. 43% now, according to Gallup, say socialism would be a good thing for America. And this is back in 2019. It's probably even more than that now. So we're seeing this, Mark, and what's interesting is that as, you know, like juxtaposed to this movement in America, you have current communist and Marxist regimes that are screaming for freedom. Cuba and Venezuela and, and other places. Clamoring to get in this country. Well, at the same time, we've opened our southern border. Uh, the, oh, the Biden administration is closing off true political refugees Mm -hmm. who are yearning for liberty and freedom to make the trip across the 90 miles from Cuba to Miami. So uh, it's cognitive dissonance uh, between what people are actually experiencing under socialism and Marxist regimes and what people view it as in America. So I, I thought it would be instructive, George, to look at some of the warnings that we've received over the years from people who have actually come from these kinds of repressed societies, Mm -hmm. starting with perhaps the most famous one. And this goes back a ways. Um, Most of our audience, I think, has heard the name Alexander Solzhenitsyn. So he's a Nobel Prize winner uh, for literature. And uh, he was a prisoner um, of Joseph Stalin in Soviet gulags for almost a full decade. Uh, Before that, he was a decorated captain um, in the Soviet Army in World War II. And he was sentenced to eight years in prison simply for criticizing Joseph Stalin in the Soviet system. And he kept speaking out uh, after his release, and he was arrested again, uh, and this time for treason. And finally, he was expelled from the country in 1974. Of course, by this time, he'd become a world-renowned figure. And so they couldn't imprison him. They just wanted to quiet him by getting rid of him. And his masterpiece, and this is what he's most known for, is his book, The Gulag Archipelago, which exposes uh, the Soviet forced labor camp system and more broadly, uh, the failure of the Soviet Union's implementation of Marxism which the, Marx, the Marxist-Communist uh, maxim is from each according to their ability to each according to their needs. So Mr. Solzhenitsyn ended up living in Vermont, and his book was very famous at that time, and he was invited to give a commencement address at Harvard University uh, in 1978. Do you think he'd ever be invited back today? Uh, I, I doubt it. Some, something tells me he would not be. But the, the, the title for his speech was A World Split Apart. And it's open. You can, you can Google it and, and read the entire speech. But in that speech, way back then in 78, he warned Americans of what he saw as a coming spiritual collapse a hollowing out of the American soul. In fact, he predicted, George, the collapse of faith in the West because of radical secularism, which was just starting to bear its teeth in society. And, you know, Western Europe had already gone through this cycle already. That's right. 
and it was coming to the United States. He predicted our addiction to technology, the descent into darkness in popular culture, the campus culture, the campus cancel culture. He praised our legal system and and rule-based laws and due process and saying there's no such thing. These things don't exist in, in communist countries. So Americans always like to clamor for equal protection and equal rights. These are unique to the American system. And if you want to gravitate towards socialism, you can throw those out the window because you will not have them. This is the main thrust of his speech, though. And it's a message for us today. Quote, a decline in courage may be the most striking feature that an outside observer notices in the West today. The Western world has lost its civic courage. Bullseye. Bullseye. And he's not the only one, George, who issued these warnings. Uh, Shortly thereafter, another Soviet-era dissident and former KGB informant, a man named Yuri Bezmenov, warned also of what he saw in American society as a coming ideological subversion that was at work. Um, A little later on, the famous Natan Sharansky Another Russian dissident who spent nine years in Soviet prisons before immigrated to uh, Israel warned Americans of what he called doublethink. He said Americans think one thing, but too often they're found parroting a party line or simply stay quiet out of fear of losing their careers or reputations. Again, talking about a loss of courage. You know, Mark, I remember two or three, three years ago now, um, from Romania, we had our own famous uh, defectors or people who were expelled. One of them was Richard Wumbrand. And he actually came to the United States and was asked to testify in Congress. And um, in, his, in, a, in a book that recently came out, Tortured for Christ, which there's a, a movie associated with it, which is very good. You could see the same things. The same uh, kind of warnings. Are, yep. Yep. And if our uh, listeners have never read that book, Tortured for Christ, we highly recommend that they do. It's, it's riveting reading. Um, but, George, it's not just Russian dissidents that are sounding the alarm. And this is the really chilling thing today. Uh, I remember um, first hearing about life under Castro in a book I read as a young man called Against All Hope, a memoir of life in Castro's gulag by a guy named Armando Valadares, who was a political prisoner under the Castro regime. And he wrote his book in 1984. He spent 22 years in, uh, in, in a Cuban prison. And he would talk about how the prison system would try to get people to renounce their faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And some of them did, but many of them did not, whereupon they faced the executioner squad, and which was right below uh, where Armando Valadares' cell was. And so he could hear these prisoners facing imminent death. And right before they pulled the trigger, they would yell out, Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. What a testimony. Uh, 
Well, that was back in 1984 when when he published that book. But more recently, another uh, Cuban exile, a man named Maximo Alvarez, who was an, an escapee of Cuban communism, spoke at the last Republican convention in Miami. And George, this is what he said. He said, the country I was born in, Cuba, is gone. It's totally destroyed. When I watch the news in Seattle and Chicago and Portland, when I see history being rewritten, when I hear the promises, I hear echoes of a formal life I never wanted to hear again. I see shadows I thought I had outrun. It's spot on, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure with you, the history of my family, and every time I hear these kind of stories, it just reminds me of what my parents went through in communist Romania. Um, you know, my dad constantly being watched, constantly being taken off, off the street into interrogation rooms, never knowing if he'd ever come, you know, back again. I still remember on my mom's 30th birthday, he, he told me the story. He was just picked up, taken to prison. And he spent a month in prison. Um, and again, they constantly play mind games with you. Um, you know, at that time, my mom had just given birth to their seventh child. And they threaten you with, here's what we're going to do to your children. Here's what we're going to do to your wife. You're never going to see them again. And as a man, it puts you in this place of, I mean, just deep mental anguish. I mean, you're you're willing to do anything and everything for your family in those instances and, and I'm so glad my dad never broke down in, in those cases. Um, and it's just the grace of God that, that kept him going. Um, but he would always tell me, like, George, for me it was just a month. Can you imagine the ones who were there for years? <laughs> and that's what you will always hear from people who have escaped these countries. And you, you never hear a positive story. And that's what I can't really quite understand how the left here in America has been so successful at just lying about the benefits of moving into a, a socialist Marxist system because it has been proven time and time again over 100 years, over 100 million people dead. It just doesn't work doesn't work and it doesn't seem to register with, with the public. Um, I think it was George Santayana said that those who don't know history are destined to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And we see that being played out. And George, your, your very unique perspective is one of the reasons why you're on the front lines of this fight. Your, your family's legacy and coming, coming to freedom yeah. in America. And you don't want to see it lost. I mean, I ask myself, like, why didn't we choose to go to China? Why? I mean, why didn't we choose to, you know, move to even to France at that time, right? Yeah. No, it, it, it was always America. America was always the dream. I, I still remember being in the airplane on the way to America. I was almost seven years old and, you know, in a child's mind. I was envisioning America somewhere in the clouds because I'm like, it can't really be down here on Earth. It's too bad. This world is way too messed up. As a child, I, I already 
understood what was going on in Romania and why we had to leave. And America has always been that true beacon of hope and freedom. So I'm going to do whatever I can to keep it that way. As it as it has for so many others, including uh, this young woman named Yeonmi Park, who wrote a book called In Order to Live, chronicling her desperate escape from North Korea in 2007. And I, I just heard this young woman recently, um, very winsome, a beautiful young woman. Uh, but when she was 13 with her mother, she crossed the Yalu River from North Korea into China, whereupon she was sold into sex slavery. <clears throat> Fortunately, with the help of some missionaries, uh, she was able to escape through Mongolia and eventually uh, to South Korea. Um, and as she became a little bit older, um, she was accepted to Columbia University, where she did her undergraduate work. But this is what she said recently on a newscast. <clears throat> this is a direct quote, George. I, I expected that I was paying this fortune all this time and energy to learn how to think at Columbia. But they are forcing you to think what they want you to think. And then she describes her shock at the display of red flags on campus, having to adopt preferred pronouns, being scolded by professors for enjoying classic literature, and her attempted indoctrination into a kind of collective guilt from administrators and other students, virtually all of whom had known only privilege and success. Uh, in the news interview, she said, people see things but they've just completely lost the ability to think critically. North Koreans, they don't have the internet. They don't have access to any of the great thinkers. They don't know anything. But here in America, while having everything, people choose to be brainwashed. Wow. And this is... That's deep. She's from Colombia, and this is the same school who first... Uh, received Frank of uh, the Frankfurt School uh, John Dewey he came came to them which takes me back to uh, she Van Fleet this mother who spoke up at the Loudoun County School Board and she is a woman who personally lived through Mao Zedong's cultural revolution and this was a period from 1966 to 1976 where Mao Zedong uh, Imposed these draconian communist methods to completely root out any form of capitalism, free enterprise, or political freedom. And it resulted in 100 million deaths, according to some chroniclers. And so when this woman spoke out about the use of concept like white privilege to sow social distrust in society, we need to take those warnings at heart. They're the, the same tactics. They're just using a different population group to achieve their, their, their end goal. They are indeed. And in our own history, George, um, my family has a tradition whenever we go to Disneyland, um, the last attraction uh, that, that we make sure we see is Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. And the reason I, lo I love it so much is that uh, in that um, – in that display, they have Mr. Lincoln reciting uh, his speech, the perpetuation of our political institutions, that goes back to 1838. And he gives a famous quote in that speech, and this is what it says. 
At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected, talking about danger to our political institutions? And he says, I answer, if it ever reaches, it must spring up from amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we ourselves must be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. And isn't that true of America today? Mm-hmm. So the question is, can the promise of America endure? Well, if it can, it will only be because en- enough of her citizens begin taking seriously the now pervasive threats to our freedoms and muster the courage to forcefully speak up and to reclaim the truth. And if as Christians we claim to love our neighbors— this is probably the biggest task we have outside of the Great Commission. Amen to that. Our, our future depends on it. So that is um, all the time we have to today. But we again encourage you to go to our website, protectourkidsnow.org, and please subscribe. And we will see you next week for an episode of Say What? You've been listening to Say What, the radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Rosca Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What.